guess that means it's my turn. Alright, so um, we've been talking about some different subjects for the last couple weeks and authority and how we receive, how we harvest, and um, and we're kind of going to start seeing some of these things come together, so hopefully you'll see he'll be going, ooh, ah, I get it, or maybe I should have paid more attention, one or the other. So um, we're, going to, we're going to see that. We're looking at um, the subject of reaping and sowing today, and uh, it's a, a difficult subject. I actually had started... I have some notes that probably date back about two years or more that I started putting something together to talk on this that long ago, and looking back at it, it just wasn't that good because I wasn't educated enough. I haven't had God connect enough dots for me yet and opened up a lot of things, and it's probably still not going to be that great, but it's going to be better than it was going to be two years ago. I'll give you that, and uh, it's a, a challenging subject because it's one of them ones that it's not straightforward. It's spider webs in a lot of different directions. We're going to look at um, probably one section of that today and maybe another section of it next week. Um, I had my notes laid out and then I added a bunch more. So here we go. All right, let's uh, start off with uh, going to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to, to speak your word today, Father. We thank you for allowing us to indulge in it, Father. I just ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Lord, and just take myself out of the way, Father, and let let the message you have for us shine through today. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. And uh, so let's, uh, let's turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 3. 6 through 9, just kind of give us some little bit of foundation to start with, kind of keep the back of our heads as we're moving forward with this today. And uh, we're not going to have a, a ton of scripture. You know, there's some weeks we have, it seems like a ton of it. We're just turning the pages every little bit, and sometimes we just have one little key thing we're going to work on. And, you know, it's just, you know, that's one thing I always struggle with in the beginning was, you know, how much is enough? How much is too much? And there's no right answer to that. God's going to give us what we need for that day, and fill in the blanks in between too. So that's what I'm going to going to live by. So First uh, Corinthians three six and nine. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. So neither he that is planted anything, neither he that waters, but God giveth the increase. He that planteth, he that watereth one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry, and we are God's building. All right, so a lot of times people don't want to do anything. They want to remain neutral when it comes to things of God. And we've talked about it a little bit in the past. We really can't do that because no choice is making a choice. Everything we do has consequences. And everything we do either works towards the kingdom of heaven or it works towards Satan. Now, you ever heard the expression, life is not fair? Well, it's not. It really isn't. Because we 
get things that we don't deserve. If you've ever contracted a sickness, a disease, cancer, sometimes just old age, things that take us down. And we can even look at a child. We see childs that are born with sickness, childhood leukemia, type 1 diabetes. We see birth defects. We see all these things that happen from birth that this child never had a chance to do anything right or wrong, never had any kind of influence in the world, never done anything one way or the other, but yet they are stricken with these disabilities. That's not fair. And that is not something that they deserve. But on the flip side, we also have things in our life that are good that we simply don't deserve. The first thing is, is the love of Jesus Christ. He laid down his life for us so we could have a way back to the kingdom, that we could have eternity to heaven, that we could have access to all these things that I've been talking about week after week after week for nothing that we deserve. We got it for doing nothing. We didn't deserve it. There are people in our lives that are so good to us and stick to us through thick and thin that are there for us, even though that we don't deserve it, that we don't treat them the way they should be treated, that we are not on our best all the time. We are blessed in many ways. We don't deserve it. So life is not fair, both to the good and both to the bad. We've heard the expression about karma. Karma's going to get you. And people often, even in a non-biblical sense, they'll talk about sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. You're getting what you deserve. You get back what you put out. And there is some foundation to these statements. Because like I said in the beginning... We are constantly doing things whether we realize it or not. We might choose to remain neutral in the world, but yet all of our actions has consequences, and we are putting things out there, either good or bad, whether we have intentions of it or not. It's just part of being the human condition. So in a sense... In every action we take, every word that we speak, we are sowing in a way. And for the purpose of this demonstration here, I'm going to just uh, coin the phase. Because it's not a biblical term, but it's just to help you better understand it. And uh, I was questioning myself this morning and having a little prayer time. Is it okay to interject a little bit? And then we look at the examples that Jesus talked in parables. Jesus put things in ways that people could understand, everyday things. And I hope you understand that that's what I'm trying to do here is just put it in the ways, things that not only how I can understand it, but all of us can understand it in, in a simplest form. 
is what we need to do. We need to understand and learn. We don't have to be all complex. We don't have to be impressive. We just got to learn these things. So we're going to call this part of it passive sewing. Just the things we do without even thinking about it. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act. How us just being us changes the course of things, of the people and things around us. One thing we have to look at is our perception of things. It's really easy to develop an attitude. It's really easy to develop a negative attitude. Have you ever encountered a person that no matter what happens to them in life, it's always someone else's fault? They're always the victim. Everything always happens to them. They can tell you about all the good things they do and then how all this bad stuff happens. Many times, the result of what happens to us is the result of our own actions, what we do to ourselves. If you're rude, if you're hateful, if you're mean, should it come to any surprise that you're going to receive that kind of treatment back to you? That people's not going to want to be around you, that people's not going to want to like you, that you're going to face adversity when you talk to others because of the way you talk to them. We complain about the way we feel. But then, do you take a look at what we do to ourselves? What do we abuse our bodies with? Alcohol, tobacco, drugs, food, inactivity, environmental conditions. There's all these things that we do that feels good at the time. You know, we lay out in the sun, but yet we complain about a sunburn. We eat too much but complain about a stomach ache. These things can be avoided if we just change our actions, what we put out. I get quite a few phone calls up here. People call the church, and most of the time they are, are looking for something. They're looking to gas money, they're looking for money to pay something, some kind of something they're in need of. And this is not just once every once in a while, this is pretty much weekly. I've received up to three in one day. And uh, you've seen our financial report. 
it's virtually impossible to be able to cater to the needs of every phone call that come in. We would be out of business in a couple days. The funds are just not there. And um, so I do try to help. I don't simply say there's nothing we can do and all that. So I try to get some information and then try to point them in a direction that they can receive help. And one of the questions is, I asked him, I said, where do you go to church? And I think this is a reasonable question because here you are, you're turning to a church to look for some kind of help. So there is some kind of a knowledge there that churches help. And most of the time, they simply just go down the phone book and dial number after number after number. <laughs> and I've been told that more times than once that I'm one of the few places to answer the phone during the week. <laughs> but the thing is, the church is a system. And how can you expect to receive something from a system that you have never put anything into? All of our systems that we receive from, we have put something into at some point or another. If you're drawing from a retirement account, for example, you have spent months after months, years after years, taking a portion of your paycheck and contributing to your retirement account. If you're drawing Social Security, Social Security comes from credits that you've earned from all the years that you have worked. And then if you're on one of the other government systems, that comes from paying your taxes year after year after year. If you need to call 911 and you need police, fire, or an ambulance, taxes again paid for that service. You go to the doctor, you pay for insurance. We are constantly sewing into a system. But yet, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we lack putting into that. If you make a, a big purchase, if you buy a house, if you buy a, a new car, a boat, have you ever been reluctant to share that with others? Maybe when you go to the job, you don't really want them to see it or know about it because of the negative responses that you get. You get bad comments. Well, that sure must be nice. Well, somebody must have won the lottery or, or something like that. But they fail to see what it took for you to be able to accomplish this. The sacrifices that you made. The savings. The years of building up a down payment. Building credit. Building all the different things it takes to make a large purchase. 
all the other things that you've dealt with out for a period of time to be able to accomplish these things. Yet, they don't see the sacrifice. They don't see what was put forward. We talked about a woman, and she was in a situation where she needed financing. Her husband had died. They were in debt. They were coming to take her sons. They were going to take them into slavery to pay off the debt, and she needed something. So when the, the servant of God came, he asked her, he said, what do you have? And she said, nothing but a bit of oil. And he told her to go out and collect up all these jugs. And God took that thing that she had and he multiplied it tremendously till every jug was full and there was no more jugs. And whenever all the jugs from containers were full, the oil stopped flowing. Because God laid down this example. Because he wanted to show us a couple things. First of all, that we have to start with something that we have. And then we have to take action. Our action shows our faith. Because it seems too ridiculous to collect a bunch of jugs when you don't have nothing to put them in. But that took faith. It took faith for Peter to go back out on that water and drop down nets after he'd been fishing all night long and not caught anything. Because that didn't make any sense, but he still took faith. Because we have to take action and faith to do something. That allows God the authority to come down and put his hands upon that, to bless it, to multiply it. Galatians 6 and 9. just like you. There we go. And let us not be weary and well in doing, for the season we shall reap if we faint not. Many times when we are faced with this decision of faith, We ask the question, what is in it for me? What am I, how am I going to benefit for this? See, God works totally different than our earth system does. See, we, uh, we see the re result first and we have to get to it. We see that new item sitting in the store. We know how much it costs, so all we have to do is to get to it some way or another. We have to work toward it. We have to save up. We see retirement as an end goal, so all we have to do is reach enough age, the money, and all the steps to do it to be able to do that. But with God, we don't know how that's going to come. We have a, a problem. We have a need, 
We have no other bit of information. And that's where the, the faith comes in. And that's where we have to stay strong. And no matter what we do, no matter where we start with, if we don't maintain that faith and wait for God to do his part, we will never reap the harvest of what we started. People get a wrong idea about God. They make jokes about it on TV all the time, you know. Okay, God, I'm going to give you one more chance because you did, you let me down before because you didn't do this ridiculous thing I asked for. Come on, one more chance. And they'll make all these crazy promises. If you'll do this, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that and the other. But it's very simple. There's not some randomness to it. God is very clear about how we are to receive from him. It's not a trick. It's not magic. It's law that God set up himself, and all we have to do is understand it and follow it. We go back to the example of when you get something new. You know, people are, are jealous about that. They don't think it's fair because we go to this whole thing, well, life's not fair. Well, life is not fair. But there is a great equalizer that we all have, which is God, which will allow things to happen as we need them. Here's an example. There was a, a pastor. He had spent 30 plus years in the ministry. Every Sunday behind a podium like this and doing all the other things that comes with it. And then the unfairness of life happens. He was stricken down with health issues, so much so that he was not able to continue his duties anymore. He was on the verge of losing his house. Medical bills were piling up. And he was in a dire situation. So, he took $100, and he sowed it to the kingdom of heaven as a financial gift. And we'll talk about why later, how we can uh, use money and other things like that. But just for the point of the story, let's just go forward with it. And he prayed for the money he needed to save his home, for his family. And it was only a prayer between him and God. He didn't tell the story until after it had done taking place, glorifying what God had done in his life. And so, a few days later, someone shows up on the doorstep and hands him an envelope. And he says that God laid upon his heart that he needed to help him out. That he needed this. This was a person that had sat out there and listened to this man Sunday after Sunday. This was a person that he had led to the Lord with the help of God. They had baptized him. He was his pastor. 
Inside that envelope was a check that covered what he needed to save his house, plus some. Now only God knew what was needed. And this man only knew that it was from on a need. And it was one of these situations where he had to trust God. That God laid it upon his heart. And he was to trust God. And he did that. So the point is, God didn't show this man favor because he was a pastor. He showed him favor because for... 30 plus years of his life, he had been sowing the word of God. He had been selfless in his actions. He had been looking out for everyone else. And that's what the man told him. He said, you'd looked out for everyone else for so many years. It was time for someone to start looking out for you. And I know this is one of these examples. Well, it's you know, hard to believe, but it's an example, nevertheless. And these things happen all the time on a smaller scale, on a larger scale. We don't even think about it, but God does. God is keeping track. And you wonder, people will take and complain about when somebody gets something new, when something good happens, when, when the, the money comes in, when the, when the, the new car comes in, whatever. They complain, because why does nothing ever happen to me? Why does nothing good ever happen to me? Well, what good do you do? How many dollars have you given away? How many cars have you given away? How many good deeds have you done? What have you put out there to allow God to work? You have to put up something. How can you expect to receive from something that you've never done? You have to put it out. God wants us to be generous. God wants us to help. God wants us to love. God wants us to give. God wants us to take care of one another. That's why he makes each and every one of us different. That's why we all have different strengths and weaknesses so we can work together. They say the church is one body made of a bunch of different parts. And that is the reason why. So we can each concentrate on our strengths and our strength can complement somebody else's weaknesses and we can all work together as a unit helping one another out. But if we sit and we hoard up everything we have and we never do anything good and we're afraid to be generous and we're afraid that someone's getting up over on us, that we're losing out if we do something else, then we are never going to have anything grand happen in our lives. And it's not because God doesn't like us, not because God's not willing to do it for us. It's because we are tying his hand, so to speak. We are not allowing him to be able to do so. We he have to give him that authority. He's not going to just spring these things on us because God gives us free will. 
God allows us to do what we want to do. God allows us even to not accept him if we don't want to. It is our choice totally, freely, and completely whether or not we want to have God in our lives. So if we want to have God in our lives, we have to choose to do so. And we have to look at the laws that he set up to protect us, protect everyone else, so that this stuff works each and every time, so that God, who is fair 100% of the time, will maintain fair, we have to understand how his laws work and then allow him to come in and work on our lives by doing the things that he says we have to do. We always look at giving as giving something up. But not when it comes to God. When we are a joyful giver, when we are putting out positive, caring, loving seeds into the world, we are not giving anything up. We are investing. Investing. We are allowing God to take something small and blow it up. $100 might seem a lot when you don't have very much. When that's, you're at the breaking point of something. But for God, that is nothing. He can take that and multiply it to millions. He can take that little bit of oil that was worthless by itself and he can multiply it to enough to pay off all the debt and to set this family up for the rest of their lives. He can take and put so many fish in a boat that the nets were about to break and the boats were about to sink because he knows where they are. And it don't matter if you start with two cents or ten million. It don't matter if you give away a brand new car or an old piece of junk because it's just value to you is what's important. God already has everything. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need anything that you have. God wants us to do these things so we can have interaction with him and so that we can be blessed. And that's your passive sowing. There's more to this. We can use it as a way to enhance our prayers, to target different needs and wants. Today we're talking about what we do on a daily basis. Everything we do has consequences. And God's not the bad guy. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to have. He wants us to be great. He wants us to be grand. He wants us to have the life that we, he has for us, are expected in. So many times people get the idea that, well, I'm not going to join the church because, you know, and I'm not going to become a Christian and I'm not going to do all these things because I don't want to live that life. I don't want to be poor and kicked down. People get the same idea about the pastors. It's supposed to be destitute. So you see somebody like Joe Olstein or Stephen Furtick that are doing rather well, that 
are living very good. They're living in the big houses, driving the nice cars. They get put down. Now, I'm not speaking for all of them because I don't know what they do in the off time. I could only see like everyone else does. But I do know this. God does not have a life of destitute planned for any of us. God wants us all to be successful. The Bible says he wants to give us the desires of our hearts and he will take care of us just the way he takes care of the birds. And yes, there will be times of suffering. There will be times of despair. But that is life and life isn't fair. But when we have God in our lives, he makes everything right. Bow with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word today, Father. We just ask if we can take it and etch it on our hearts, Father, to be able to use it in the world. That we can start thinking about how our words, Father, how our actions, how our inactions are affecting the people around us. And also how they're affecting us, how they're restricting our relationship with you and restricting what you have for us and what we could have, Father. Father, we ask that we can open up inside and can see further than just what the world has in front of us. That we can have stronger faith to believe that you have everything good for us, Father. That you have a way to take care of every situation. That we can stop trying to be in control so much. Stop trying to figure out every single detail and just turn it over to you totally and completely, Father. Father, I ask that in the weeks to come that we see less and less hands go up because as more and more situations are taken care of, Father. That we'll have a confidence knowing that when we pray our prayers that we know that we will be answered. That by the end of this year we have a different outlook on how life works. The outlook that puts you first. We thank you for this, Father. If anyone has a need today, any need whatsoever that needs to be taken care of, please don't let them hold back any longer. Please break the chains, Father, that Satan's put around them to keep them from coming forward. Let them come forward, Father, to make these decisions today. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Page 393. Page 393 in your hymnals. You'll please. All right, so uh, we've been talking about receiving. And um, last week it's been a kind of a three point situation. We talked about last week we started into sowing and reaping. And uh, we're going to uh, finish that up today, both the sowing and reaping part, and also the conclusion of the the harvest series here. So uh, this is going to be sowing and reaping part two. So uh, let's start off with the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to preach your word today, Father. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to receive it, Father. I ask you to take myself out of the way and just let your message shine through. We thank you for this and ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so you can look at basically any religious group or any group in general, whether you have any kind of religious affiliation or not, and there is some trace of 
what we are talking about today, sowing and reaping. You know, we may call it tit for tat. We may call it getting what you deserve. We may call it karma. We, uh, there's all different kind of things you can say for it. Paying it forward. Um, but it's putting something out there and then receiving something back for it, either positive or negative. And, um, but the Bible calls it sowing and reaping. And since the very beginning of time, we can see all the way back in Genesis, we see the example of planting something, growing from it, and be able to receive something for it. And this has been a staple in human life since the very beginning. Our very existence requires the constant growth, the planning and the growth, so we can have something to survive with, a sustainable food source. So, no matter what your religious status is, no matter what your walk with God is, this affects us all, whether you want to believe it or not. You can say that you are the most hardcore unbeliever there is, and yet you are still affected by the biblical term of sowing and reaping. Now I want to stop for a second and, and back up, and I want to cover something that I think is important that affects a lot of people. And that is how sowing and reaping affects salvation. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, many people get the idea that when they're talking about coming to Jesus, they're talking about being saved, they think about all the things that they have done in the past. Because this is the way we're programmed. We've lived in this waiting for the other shoe to drop situation our entire lives. This is the way we've been programmed, the way that we've been brought up. This is the way the world works, that there are consequences. So a lot of people are concerned about, am I truly saved? Because they're waiting for repercussions of all the things they've done in the past. And see, that's where salvation is the exception and not the rule. Because when you truly accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you are washed and covered by His blood, everything you did to that point is erased. It's forgotten about. It is forgiven. It is done. There is no repercussions. There is no waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's no waiting for anything to happen for all the negativity, all the bad things that you put out prior to that salvation. So, on the flip side of that, there is also what happens afterwards. Of course, we are not going to be perfect. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to do bad things. We are going to need forgiveness again. But it's a little different this time because we should be trying to do better, to trying to live a godly life. And also now, we now have some responsibility that we have to take upon ourselves because we are should be learning how to be more like Jesus. We should be wanting to 
be more like Jesus. We should be allowing that change to happen inside of us that automatically happens once we are covered by that blood. But yet we are still going to mess up because we are human. We are sinners. We live in a sinful world and we cannot do it by ourselves. That's why we need Jesus Christ in the first place. Are you with me so far? So that's where forgiveness and repentance comes into place. We come to the Lord and we ask for forgiveness and he forgives us. Repentance, forgiveness. And this only works if we are truly sorry. That if we wish to not do this behavior again, that we are hurt by ourselves because we did this behavior, that we felt like we have hurt others, we've hurt ourselves, and we have hurt God because we have fell short. Because oftentimes we'll see people do the same behavior over and over again. Now, this can be from one of two ways. Because sometimes it's hard to change a behavior. It's hard to break a cycle. It's hard to break a habit. So we wind up making the same mistakes. The difference is, is how your attitude is about it. Are you truly sorry? Do you, are you truly repenting? Or are you just looking for a loophole that allows you to get away with your actions? If I was to come down and walk down the aisle and smack everybody on the end, on the back of the head as I walk by, and I did that every single Sunday, and then come up here and ask for forgiveness, but I keep doing it over and over again, one time might be okay, but as I keep doing it over and over, I'm not truly sorry about it. I'm enjoying it. I'm wanting to do it, and I'm using God as a loophole to say it's okay. Now I'm kind of getting off subject here because we're talking about sowing and reaping, but I've heard this so many times about it. How can I be truly saved if I've done all these bad things? Because you are forgiven. Totally and completely. Past, present, and future. Alright, so let's get back on to sowing and reaping. If I was to give you all an apple seed and told you to take it home and plant it, what would you expect to grow from that apple seed? An apple tree. If I was to give you a, a peach pit and you planted that, we'd want a peach tree. If I gave you corn and we planted corn, we expect corn to grow up. If I went out there in my yard and I put out a whole bag of grass seed and two weeks later collard greens grew up, something would be wrong. Because we expect what we plant to be what comes up. We reap what we sow. We sow apple seeds, we reap apple trees, and and result is we reap apples. And the same thing works with everything. Everything that we do. Everything that we put out there. If you're the type of person that is 
constantly angry. That every time you have an encounter, it's a gruff encounter. Pretty soon, people are going to realize that's how you are. And what's going to happen is they are going to meet you with the same type of resistance. If you're the kind of person that's unwilling to change, unwilling to compromise, you're going to be reached with the same type of resistance. What you put out is what you receive. Galatians 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, he shall also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall reap corruption, they that showeth to the Spirit shall the Spirit of life everlasting. And let us not be weary and well for doing season, for we shall weep if we faint not. We have a lot of choices in life about what we do. You know, if someone angers us, we can seek revenge. We can seek to harbor those ill feelings. And in the short term, that might make us feel better. But what is that doing to our spirit? What is that doing to the people around us that see this, that we're supposed to be an example to as Christians, that we're supposed to make people want to be more like us and have what we have because it's so grand? We have these little little things that we've all grew up with. You know, the golden rule. Do on to others as you'd have them do to you. Sometimes it gets changed around as do to others before they can do to you. We tell our children to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And we forget that. We forget that little nugget of information there because we think that that don't apply to us. That we can act and do however we want to do and we expect everyone else to treat us better, to do better, to expect more. Everything we do has consequences, both good and bad. Whatever we put out there either positive or negative, has a way of making us back to us. Faith and action. Last week, I had a little snippet of a story. I talked about a preacher that he had preached for 30 years, became deathly ill, because of that, he was no longer able to work, had some serious financial situations. And through the grace of God, people that he had reached out to, people that had heard his words, that it was changed coming up in his churches, came to his aid and was able to provide him with the resources that he needed to move forward. And many times we think of God as 
a vending machine, a store, a genie, something that we ask for something and then we just magically get it. We don't see God as our Heavenly Father. We don't see God as someone to be in a relationship with. Now, we all have people in our lives that we can go to. We have our family. We have our spouses. We have our loved ones. We have our friends. We have people that we can call up and say, Hey, I need this. Hey, can you come do this? Hey, what do you think about this? Whatever the situation is, there is someone that can give you aid. You ever thought about why? Because most healthy, normal relationships are give and take. Because on the flip side, you're willing to do the same thing for that person. If they need you at 3 a.m., you're going to pull on your pants and your shoes and you're going to go. Because that's what the relationship is about. You care for one another. You do for one another. We are to have a relationship with God. But we want it to be so one-sided. We want him to do all these amazing things for us. Not that it wasn't enough that he sent his son, that he saved us from eternity in hell. Not that that wasn't enough, but he has all these other things. He wants us to be part of the family. He wants us to be part of the kingdom of heaven. He has all these grand things. The entire world he has given to us because he loves us, because he wants to. But yet we don't want to do anything for him. When we are, are generous with others, when we are kind to others, we're not doing that for that person. We're doing that for God. Because that's what he wants us to do. That's why he gives us the resources, the skills, and the abilities not to make us look good, not to make us grand, but so we can help others. We are all part of a, a system, a family. We all interlock. We're all part cogs in a bigger machine known as the kingdom of heaven. And we're all important. God wants us to be involved. And I gave you some examples from this past study. We talked about the woman that needed some financial resources. So they had her go gather up a whole bunch of jugs and took what she had was a little bit of oil and that God multiplied that oil. Filling up all them jugs, not only could she pay her debts, but also she had enough money for her and her family to live for the rest of their days. We talked about Peter. When he was, he was in need, he let Jesus use his boat. He turned it over to the kingdom of heaven. And as a result, he was able to access now knowledge from the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told him where to go put down his nets. They went to put down the nets and they filled up not one boat, but two with so many fish, their nets were about to break. Peter, once again, he was in a financial situation. It was time to come pay his taxes. 
He had no money. Jesus needed to pay his taxes too. Well, there was no time. He couldn't go out and get a job. He couldn't go out and do it. Interest rates were high. Couldn't go get a loan. So he went to the source. He went to Jesus and said, Jesus, Master, what are we going to do? we got to pay our taxes. So he told him, go, catch a fish. And in that fish, there's going to be a coin. And use that to pay both yours and mine. He took a skill that he already had. He took equipment that he already had and put it to work, allowing him to use that to access the kingdom. So let me ask you a question. Who here likes money? Anybody like money? All right, we all do. Now, we've talked about it before, you know. It's a piece of paper. It's a coin. Even gold, other than a few manufacturing processes that you can use it for connectivity and such things, they don't have any real value. You know, it's nothing long-term. It's just some, what it represents. Money represents wealth. Money represents, and it's why do we want money? Because of all the things that we can do with it. See, money is something that can be turned into anything. You know, a lot of times back then we see a lot of these examples and, and times, you know, money wasn't as relevant. You know, we could do things. We could trade. We could barter. If we needed some grain, we could trade in some chickens. If we needed some meat, we could trade in some oil. But now, those days are behind us, and cash is king. Credit is important. Value of a dollar. Money can be anything. We can take enough of that money. We can scribble it down on a check. We can send it in in cash. We can run it through the little plastic card. And if you have the right amount of it, it can be a service. Someone can go do your taxes. Someone can heal your body if they're a doctor. They can fix your teeth if they're a dentist. They can work on your car. Money can be shelter. It can be a home. It can rent you a room. It can buy you a car for transportation. Money is also food. It can buy you a sandwich. It can buy you the ingredients in the store to make a meal. Money is our entertainment. It can buy you a TV. It can buy you tickets to a sporting event. Money can enhance your life. It can buy you a couch. It can buy the grass seed you put in your front yard. Whatever the situation is, money can be turned into it. So how does that work with sowing and reaping? We can sow a financial seed. So if we don't have a, a pot of oil in the house, if we don't know how to fish, we all can reach in our pocket and pull out a few dollars. 
The one thing I keep trying to really hammer in is that God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need us. God includes us because he wants to. God has set down laws and by allowing us to give, allowing us to interact with him, allows him to interact with us, allows the kingdom of heaven to come down in this world that we pushed God out of and change our lives. Because we may not see a, a, a dollar as very much. Even $100 is not very much. But in take that same thing and turn it over to God and let him be able to put his power on it, it can be anything. Let me give you an example. You take your cell phone. Now let's say you, uh, you put that thing in airplane mode. So it can't connect to the cellular data. It can't connect to the towers. It can't connect to the Wi-Fi. It's cut off from all communication. It can't make a phone call. You can't use most of the apps. Nothing works. You might be able to scroll through your photo feed. You might be able to do a, use your calculator. But it's very limited to what you can do. That's what we have. That's our financial resources. That's what we have in our home, is that little bit that's very limited. But if you hit that button, give it just a few seconds, that little antenna bar is going to come up, bloop. That other little antenna bar is going to come up, bloop. And now you're connected to the network. So now all of a sudden, you can make a phone call. You can send a text message. You can access the World Wide Web, which is a plethora of information. All of them little fancy apps that does everything from counting your calories to telling you which way to go. Now all these things now function. You can talk to your digital assistant and they can answer your questions. They can access your files. You can access the cloud. You can get all that stored data that's out there that you can't keep locally. You can access the stuff you have at home. You are now connected. And that's what happens when we turn stuff over to God. When we say, okay, God, I trust you. I have faith. And by doing this action... Now we can connect to the kingdom of heaven. That same kingdom that directed Peter to where to fish. That's just a low-tech version of Google Maps. That same connection that told him where the coin was, there's Wikipedia. That same connection that multiplied all that oil, that's selling something on Craigslist. We have all this connection. See, Satan wants us to live by this curse we're under, where 
we don't have enough, we don't have enough, we have to suffer, we have to hoard up, we have to barely get by. Because the truth is, if we just let it go, if we just give some back, if we have faith, if we trust in God, then God is going to multiply it endlessly. fall upon hard times, what do we do? We, we shut off our ties. That's the worst thing that you can do. So in reach. We pray. We ask God for things. Here's your homework for the week. Something to think about as you're going throughout the week and think about the things that came into your life. Have you had a, a person that's been really great to you? Now, have you ever been that person for someone else? Maybe uh one day you got a really good deal on something. Have you ever gave someone else a really good deal? Have you ever had something given to you? Do you ever think about all the things that you've given away? Oftentimes we think that nothing good ever happens to us that we're just in a slump. Maybe we need to reflect back on what we are doing, how we're interacting with the world. It's like we talked about last week. People always want, 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 but what do they do? You can't have a blank space of dirt and expect plants to grow if you don't put something out there. God wants us to interact. He wants faith and he wants action. It takes real faith to continue to give when you feel like you don't have enough. But what we're doing is when we're holding back we're not doing the things that God tells us to do. We are telling him that I don't trust you. I have to do this because you may not come through for me. And we know that God comes through each and every time. We know that God does not fail us. God does not fail any person. God keeps his promises. There's nothing that is too big for him that he can't handle. That he ain't got a way to figure out. Many times in my own life, I've seen situations where I don't know how this is going to turn out. God, I don't know how you're going to figure this one out. And the time is running close. And then, not too early, not too late, a way manifests. Because God's already got the plan in place long before we ever asked. He knows what we're going to need before we ever need it. We have to trust in Him. Are we ready to start doing that?
Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word today, Father. We just ask that we can start making changes in each and every one of our personal lives, Father. That we can have more trust in you. That we can have total and complete faith, Father. That we know, Father, that you keep your word, that you do everything that your word tells us that you do, Father. That we can have the strength to let go. The strength to start trying these new things, Father, that we're just now seeing. To implement them in our lives. So we can gain that faith through these actions, Father. And also that other people in our lives will see it. And see you work. And that more people will come to you. We thank you, Father, that you're here for us, taking care of all of our needs. We thank you that you're answering our prayers, Father. And we thank you that, thank you that you're still teaching us. And we have the, the chance, Father, to, to learn. The chance to be forgiven. The chance to overcome all the silly things that we do, Father. And we thank you for this. We ask if there's anyone there that has a need today, Father. That fear will no longer hold him back. That doubt will no longer hold him back. That indecision will no longer hold him back, Father. That they'll stand up, rip off the chains, and make their need be known today. We thank you for this, Father, and ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Page 13 in your hymnals, you please stand.